I never could figure. I was like, "Why am it's Saturday? <laughs> I, I want to stay home and watch cartoons, right. watch wrestling." Right. That was, I used to watch wrestling too. I loved it, man. Handsome Jimmy Valiant. Are yeah. you kidding? And my yeah. dad got me out here cutting the grass. I didn't mind cutting the grass at my house, right. what I thought was my house. house. But I'm not. I don't live here. Why am I cutting the grass here <laughs> and helping them repair broken windows? Poor I could God. never figure it out. <laughs> Welcome to the For Atlanta podcast, where our purpose is to be the place to inspire you to learn and love Atlanta even more than you thought you could. My name is Terrence, and I am one of the hosts. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a great one for you. We have our friends from UPS. Yes, Big Brown. We have our friends Doug Daly, April Nelson, and Jason Martin, who are all part of UPS and a project that they have recently put out called Black Voices from Big Brown. And you're going to get a chance to hear a little bit later on from them in just a few moments. But before we do that, I would love to take a moment to highlight one of our businesses that is for Atlanta. And that business uh, in our for Atlanta business highlight is Linux cupcakes. And y'all, I don't know if you ever get a sweet tooth, but listen, I like sweets sometimes. And one of the reasons why I like sweets is because, you know, it, it gives me what I need, right? I like to eat a little bit uh, outside of my clean space sometimes. And one of the ways that I think Linux Cupcakes helps me do that is in a way that I don't have to be concerned about everything that is being put inside of my sweets because they focus on baking small batch baked goods uh, daily. In fact, they use many of the locally sourced uh, farms and places around here to get their dairy and produce. And that ultimately allows them to be for our city or one of the ways they're for our city. Uh, so we are excited about them and we would love for you to go out and support Linux Cupcakes in our community because they are for Atlanta. Uh, they have all that you need to get your fix to the sweets. In fact, I, I there is a cookies and cream cupcake over there that has my name on it. So hopefully I can get my hands on it pretty soon. Anyway, check them out on Instagram at Linux Cupcakes. That is L-E-N-O-X-C-U-P-C-A-K-E-S, Linux Cupcakes, at Linux Cupcakes. We are so grateful that Linux Cupcakes is a part of our community and making us all better. Thank you for being for Atlanta. Uh, speaking of being for Atlanta, ladies and gentlemen, as I've already said, we have some incredible humans that I had a chance to get to talk to today uh, from UPS, and they did a project called Black Voices from Big Brown, Untold Stories of African Americans at UPS. And uh, I just want to let you know that it was it's one of those interviews that I was completely floored by and inspired by. And I think that you will also uh, be inspired by as well. It, it tells the stories of uh, many of the African-Americans uh, who were a part of the early days of UPS and how UPS was really on the, the front lines back in the day in the 50s. Uh, before everybody else in corporate America really began to understand what it was like to value diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so today's episode is amazing. Matter of fact, I'm going to just stop talking. Let's jump right into it. Welcome to the Four Atlanta podcast. And uh, today we have some incredible guests in our midst, and they are three 
amazing individuals from UPS. We have April Nelson. We have Doug Daly. And we have Jason Martin. Thank you for being here. I am so glad that you're here. Thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Um, Y'all have an amazing story. I've already got a chance to listen to a lot of it. And, of course, you have an amazing project that you've all worked on that I think is a game changer that we'll talk about a little bit later. But what I love to know first is, uh, you know, how did y'all get here? You know, like you, Jason, are a native Atlantan. And, and on this show, we call y'all unicorns, brother, because that don't <laughs> we don't meet a lot For of real. native Atlantans. For real. Everybody seems to be from somewhere else, including myself. I'm from North Carolina. Uh, but you, sir, how like. You're here, you go off to college, and then you come back. And you've been here for quite some time, from what I understand. Explain to me, you know, in brief, how did that happen? Um, Atlanta's home, but technically, I was born in Augusta. But I've been in Atlanta since I was two days old, so we'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a technicality. It's a technicality. You know, we'll, we'll make it work. I mean, you know, I, was, I just wanted to fit in. Everyone else isn't from Atlanta, so I'll throw that out there. Um, but Atlanta's always been home. Yeah. I, I used to work for an airline before UPS, so I've been everywhere. Yeah. And everywhere is nice to visit, but home is home. Okay. And for me, even going off to college, I just wanted to come back. And I figured, why start somewhere new? I mean, some people start new, and that's okay. Some people start fresh. But for me, it was I knew a path. Mm. And even though that path, you know, gets steered away, I had a path set, and it was always through Atlanta. So so my question is, like, of course, home is home. But, like, what is it about Atlanta, man? You said you travel all over the world, been to other places. Why? Like, besides the, the obvious answer of having family in the path, like, what is it about this city that made you want to stay? I've always enjoyed the city. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I didn't experience like some people did. So when I was older and able to go out on my own, being able to see different sides of Atlanta that mm-hmm. I didn't see growing up mm-hmm. was always a draw. And then you get locked into working and you find a career, you find yourself established. And it's like, mm, if the career takes me out, I'll go. But I'm not going to just jump out. Got you. I got you. That makes sense. I mean, that's kind of how I feel. I'm not even from here. But I, <laughs> I'm like, man, once I got here, I'm like, well, you know, I've been to other places, but this is this is cool. What about you, April? Well, um, I was a television news reporter in my previous life before UPS. (laughs) Come on. And I was working in South Florida. I was dating uh, an NBC News correspondent who got transferred from the Miami Bureau to New York City to work at 30 Rock. Yeah. And we were trying to get married. Yeah. And I would visit him in New York City, and I would say, I love visiting New York, but I cannot imagine myself living here. Yes. And he didn't care for it either. He's from Texas, you know. <laughs> so he was like, well, l- l- let me just see if I can get transferred somewhere that we can agree on. <laughs> and Atlanta was the the place. Wow. Now, I had sort of dreamed about Atlanta when I was a little girl because yes. I used to get Ebony and Jet magazine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like all the movers and shakers were from Atlanta. Yeah. We're, we're talking about Maynard Jackson, right. Andy That's Young, right. Right. Martin Luther King Jr. That's right. You know what I mean? Legacy. And I, So I, I would read about Atlanta, but I never really thought about yes. moving here. Yeah. Um, but that's how it happened. He got a transfer and he's like, how does Atlanta sound? I said, I'll take it. <laughs> and we met here, got married. Unfortunately, our marriage did not last. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, decided, you know what? I like this town. Yeah. It feels good. Yeah. 
It's, you know, a six hour drive from Mississippi if I have to drive, right. it, you know, like an hour or so flight. Yeah. So geographically it felt good. And it's like, I can get anywhere in the world That's from here. Right. That's right. And, and, and I travel a lot and I'm always comparing other places to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, in terms of people of color, yes. we have something very special here yes. that does not yes. exist in many other places. It, it really is amazing to travel the world yeah. and travel the country even. And you're right. Like, there's no place like Atlanta. I think, who was it, T.I. to call it Wakanda? Yes. <laughs> it is our Wakanda. It is. Yes. Yeah, in so many ways. And in actuality, it technically is Wakanda since it was filmed here. But we ain't going <laughs> to do it. That's right. We're not he would know. He would know. That's his movie. Come on. That is his movie. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> April, thank you. Doug, what about you, man? Yeah, for me, I came to Atlanta to go to school. So... I'm originally from Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, my dad worked for American Airlines for 28 years. He retired, and he moved the family to South Florida. Uh-huh. So I finished high school in South Florida and uh, applied for several schools. And I had a brother that was living here in Atlanta, my older brother. Okay. And he was somebody that I always kind of admired. Like, I patterned my style, yeah. my game, everything, swag, yeah, everything, after my older brother, Howard. Yeah. And he was here in Atlanta, and I had actually visited him in the past. And Atlanta just seemed like a cool place. Like, the airport mm-hmm. was modern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you rode the train from the gates and everything. It was just really seems like a cool place. Plus, similar to what April just said, you know, you would look in Ebony Magazine, and you would see Maynard Jackson on the cover, Andrew Young. You knew the titans mm-hmm. of the black community kind of started here in Atlanta and it was a lot of special things happening. It was referred to, I remember one time, I, feel, I want to say this is the early 80s as the Black Mecca. Uh-huh. And or the Dirty South. Or the Dirty <laughs> South, yeah, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. And so... The dirty, dirty. Uh, when I had the opportunity to come here to go to school, I did that. And at the same time, I got I started working at UPS, which I know we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh-huh. And so I'm working at UPS and... UPS is a global company, and a lot of people who stay with UPS for a long time, because that's part of the culture, uh-huh. uh, a lot of times you relocate all around the country, right. even around the world. Yeah, I have a, My career took a different path. My entire UPS career has been in Atlanta. Wow. And so I grew up at UPS, and I grew up pretty much in Atlanta. So I finished college here. Got married here, had my first child here, yeah. bought my first house. Yeah. Atlanta's a good place. Yeah. Uh, I've been fortunate to travel around the world as well and see a lot of places, a lot of cities. I've been to almost every major city in the United States. Atlanta is a very special place. It has a lot to offer in terms of, you know, affordability, mm-hmm. you know, and and that when I got to Atlanta in the early 80s, it was still just starting to emerge. Mm. So it was mm-hmm. kind of had that big city. It was still kind of like a big country city in a way. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw, I've seen it grow into what it is today. And it's a great, amazing place. That's, that's amazing. Because, I mean, I've been here 15 plus years. And I, and the changes that I've seen just yeah. over that, that span, I can't even imagine what it's like to be here for as long as you have, like the 80s. And see it be this country, big city town to like now this booming metropolis that is internationally known and respected and appreciated. We had a um, 
so in our one of our early episodes, we had a guy's name is Sheffield Hale, and Sheffield is the president and CEO of the Atlanta History Center. And it, to me, one of the, the highlights of that that interview was just hearing about Atlanta, like and, mm-hmm. and what it looked like, and even stuff like how Buckhead got his name. And it was like somebody <laughs> somebody killed a deer and put the buck's head on like a tree and was like, Hey, go and meet us at the buck's head. And if that's wild. Or the big chicken. The big chicken. But it's like, you know, again, it's like all these things, all these stories that, that ultimately bring us to this present moment. And that I, I find to be really cool. Um, yeah. And what they just said actually made me think about the other reason why I came back. Cause everywhere I went, people were like, Oh, you from Atlanta, man, I'm trying to get there. Oh, you from Atlanta. So I was <laughs> like, true. in my head, I'm going, why am I gonna leave when everybody's coming in? <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Same man. That's yeah. exactly what and, and, and I'm and I'm just trying not to laugh because I didn't want to laughing the mic, but like when Doug was like, I came here in the 80s, I was like, God, I was born in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no. those youngins. Yeah, here they go, Doug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so good. Because like mm-hmm. you say the big chicken yeah. and, and it, but for me, underground. Yeah. Like yeah. this to see underground be built. And then be able to experience underground, and then to sadly watch underground yeah. deteriorate. Oh, what it was, it's like brother. it's like it's it's a whole lifetime. Yeah. that actually was only about a a twelve year period. Yeah, and it's like wow, you know, the so, good old days. <laughs> Back well, then. The, the good middle days. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with it. All right, April. Yes. Um. So you know, being from Mississippi, uh, Oxford, Mississippi, to be exact. And, you know, when you were growing up and I, we kind of talked about this a little bit, did you see yourself being in a role that what you're doing now, like the role that you are in UP, UPS, did you see yourself doing this whenever you were a young girl? No, <laughs> I honestly, I, I might have tunnel vision. Remember, I'm watching Walter Cronkite, yeah. Barbara Walters, yeah. Max Robinson, Carol Simpson. <laughs> yeah. That was my path that I saw yeah. for myself, right? Yeah. And then when Oprah Winfrey came along, I said, oh, I know. <laughs> it, you know, we got a, we got a, a black woman who yeah. was beating Phil Donahue. I, I am going there, okay? Yes. So that was where my mind was. Yes. Um, I, I actually had a very long career in television news, and I ended it, my career, my TV career here at CBS 46. Okay. I worked at Fox 5 nice. when I moved from Miami and then uh, CBS 46 okay. and then ended my TV career because I, I started not liking it mm. anymore. I, I was mm-hmm. not, I love what I did mm-hmm. and then news became this blood, guts, gore, if it bleeds, it leaves kind of thing. You can feel it changing. Yeah. yeah, and that wasn't the reason I got into it. Right. I got into it to inform, to help people, to help change the right. world. And then it was like my work felt meaningless. Mm. And I thought, I've got to figure out something else. Wow. And it was a real period for me uh, personally. Um, but I took three years off, mm-hmm. started my own little production company and did you know a lot of freelance projects, including some stuff for the city of Atlanta. Um, and then uh, I found out about the communications department at UPS needing someone who could the way they phrased it is turn stories fast, which is my language. And I'm like, okay. So I applied, I went for the thing and it was a a, a retired UPSer who told me about it. He said, you know, you need to go, you need to call. I'm going to (laughs) call. He called and then I talked to the hiring manager. And when I went in, I asked him about the turning stories fast. I said, 
so how fast do you need me to turn them? <laughs> and he said, three, four days. I, I, that's an eternity <laughs> that's for a news reporter. <laughs> three or four days. And I came from a world where we were turning them every couple of hours, yes. right? Yes. For the 6 a.m., for the noon newscast, for the 5 and the 11. I only had a few hours to turn a story. Yes. This man's talking about three, four days. I'm like, this is going to be a cakewalk for me. And, you know, I, I really did not know what I was getting into because when I, they finally offered me the job, mm-hmm. I, I did. I didn't expect to get it because I'm thinking I'm really. I don't think I fit this. Yeah. And I call my sister, who is like on my board of directors, and she said, "April, are they going to ask you to drive a package car?" I said, "Nope." <laughs> she said, "Then you got this. Take the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. UPS is a fabulous company." I mean, wow. Vanessa was like, she knew everything about UPS, yeah. and I just wasn't quite connecting the dots. She was like, "Take it. We'll explain it to you later." <laughs> And that's how it happened, honestly. Well, that's wow. why she's on your board of directors. <laughs> she that's exactly right, Doug. She's my voice of reason always. You need always. those types of people in your life. My sister, Vanessa, who is an engineer, by the way. Come mm-hmm. on. Petroleum engineer. <laughs> yep. Wow. First of all, I didn't even know what an engineer was until I was grown. Like, that, <laughs> like I was, I was right. good and grown before I knew what an engineer was. Yeah. Um, but that, so, so that's amazing. And, and this is what I would love for you to do, too, all of you to do. I would love for you to share like your title and what you do for UPS because I think that would help give our listeners an idea of like who's in the room and what your relation is to UPS. So we can start start with you, April, since you were just sharing. I'm a communications manager. Look at that. That is amazing. I'm a I'm Doug and I'm a director in internal audit and compliance and ethics. Look at that, man. They just said manager and director. I don't what? <laughs> I'm a senior administrative specialist in procurement. Look at that. I mean, what, what? I don't know. Understand why you why you do all that? It doesn't man. sound as fancy. You gotta, see, for my title, you got to say all these extra things to make it sound really good. <laughs> <laughs> You're like manager, director. This man. This man. But the point is, is that UPS and so many companies they have so many different jobs. That's right. You know, people right. just look at it. Oh, they just deliver packages. But if you drill down. And figure out there's an accounting department, there's a legal department, there's engineering. There are all these professions and we can use anybody. Well, like I think even even so we've been in a lot of discussions about like diversity, right? Like this idea of diversity. And, And most of the time when we talk about diversity, people immediately think race. Right. But like. There's diversity in roles like you need that. And even as like a, a former athlete or whatever, it's like you can't have 11 quarterbacks on the, on the field at the same time because mm-hmm. you're not going you're not going to get much done. And so I think it's a great point in like the different roles and the different sectors of what it takes to make UPS run. And it, it speaks to that while you all are sitting in this room right now. That's so good. Doug. What is something about, you know, your role or, or the industry at, as a whole in terms of logistics or UPS that many people who are listening would be surprised to find out? Yeah. So UPS is a great brand here in the United States. Well, I'll say two things. So the first point is it's a global company, as I mentioned earlier. Outside of the United States, UPS is not as big as it is here. Huh. So when you go to Europe... UPS is not the number one player. We're like number three or four. Wow. When you go to Asia, we're not the number one player. We're number two or three, maybe. Yeah. The Middle East. Yeah, Middle wow. East. Uh, and even in Latin America. So that's, so that's the first point. We're mm-hmm. a big company. Right. Uh, 500,000 employees. I don't think people understand Goodness that. It's gracious. Uh, essential employer during COVID, right. during this pandemic. Right. 
Um, the other thing is, again, kind of what April was saying, how big this company is. So in my, I've been with UPS for 36 years. I've had 13 wow. different jobs. Wow. So if you average it out, I think it's like every three years I've, I'm doing something new. Wow. So the opportunity to learn and get exposed to different areas is amazing. It's more than just logistics and transportation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to it. The job that I do today, internal audit, compliance, and ethics, there's no way I, I could have ever thought about that's the job I was going to end up doing when I started, you know, yes. 36 years ago. The, and, and do me a favor, like explain what that is for those that are listening so that we have an, an idea of what the role is and what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm responsible for our audit teams in the Americas, which is Latin America, the Caribbean, and Mexico as well as I audit the UPS airline. So that's, that's another thing. UPS is an airline. Wow. It's the ninth largest I airline about that. in, I want to say, God. United States or maybe in the world. 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 Right. Ninth wow. largest They're airline in the world. In the world? Right. The world. So, and there's a waiting list. Pilots want to work for us. Get out of here. And, I feel like I'm learning so much now. And, I didn't even and know. And by that. actual fleet size, we have the second largest fleet behind Delta in America. Really? Y'all talk How do you about think some... you get these packages? Right. Good... <laughs> yeah, no. How do you think you get them? Think about that now. Good... The thing is, like, as a, as a user, you don't. Yeah. You you like, I click, it arrives, and right. I think, but that speaks to like the the seamless nature of the machine, right? Mm-hmm. Like that the user doesn't think about how, how it, it all gets. happens. It's mm-hmm. like I know when I click this. It'll be here tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like nobody. So that man. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I got excited. I didn't mean to <laughs> Some plane, yeah. a brown tail yeah. is what we call them. Yeah. Some brown tail got it here. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So um, I forgot where I left off. You were saying they were the ninth largest airline, uh, airline in, the in the world. Yeah. So it's a big company, mm-hmm. big opportunities, and so I don't think everyone really fully under comprehends that. Right. And so it's a great place to work. Um, I never thought I'd be here 36 years later. There's mm. no way I could ever predicted that. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I started as a part-time loader and unloader in, in college, I would tell my friends who I was working with, three more months, and I'm, <laughs> gone, I'm out of here. <laughs> three months, I'm gone. And three months would come, and I was still here. And so I'm, I'm thinking, like, why did I stay? And I always think about that. So now here, I'll take you back. So I started in 1984. 1984, I was making $9.50 an hour. Wow. So I was rolling in the dough. He was balling, man. I was balling. <laughs> I had big money. And I think that was really the main thing because I was I had money in my pocket. I was, yeah. in, I was in college. Feeling good, feeling great. Yeah, and it worked because yeah. I worked in the middle of the night, which I thought at the time I thought was crazy. Why? Because I remember I started in September in 1984, and then after those first three months, it's wintertime, it's cold. Mm-hmm. And I'm going in, mind you, at 4 o'clock in the morning, to load a trailer, unload a trailer, and it's cold. The whole building's cold. Yeah. And sometimes I remember saying to myself, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's four in the morning. You will have these questions at UPS. And it, I mean, a lot of these companies, it's hard work. Yeah. It's hard work. Yeah. I'm breaking my back. Yeah. And but like, and I don't mean to interrupt, but like that speaks to your ethic though. Like when yeah. when you keep coming back, right? right? Like the things that you don't want to do. It's like it's like getting up and going to the gym in the morning. Exactly. When it's cold outside, you're like, ah, oh, but right. I know I have to do it. And it builds something over time. Yeah. And I'll give that credit to my parents. My mother and father, they really they they believed in hard work. 
My father taught me that, mm-hmm. the work ethic. And uh, my mom and dad are from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And they immigrated here to the States mm-hmm. in the 50s. And my dad, so they weren't uh, well-educated. Mm-hmm. They were just, my dad, when I, he, I said he worked at American Airlines, he was a sky cap. Mm-hmm. He did that for 38 years, 30, uh, 20 plus years. But they believed in the value of education and they wanted to make sure all their children. So I'm a first generation like college graduate in my family. Wow. And uh, went, went on, got an MBA and the whole nine yards. And um, so that work ethic came from my father. Mm-hmm. My father, again, he uh, came to this country um, on a contract from Jamaica to work in Connecticut, but actually Wisconsin, and then went to Connecticut. He was driving trucks on, and, and things of that nature. But he, in the 1970s, my father, working as a sky cap, he ended up owning three homes on a sky cap salary. Wow. And that, that was for the additional income. So as a sky cap, he made all his money off of tips. Right. Wow. So it was all about customer service and yes. taking care of people. And then, so his per hour wasn't much, but then he, he had enough sense to, or business sense to know that I can purchase these homes and then I can rent them out. Yes. Right. Yes. And so all those things. And then, so the work ethic came in where I remember, cause I really, I didn't understand it. I knew we had our house and we had additional houses, but on the weekends we would have to go and like clean up at these other homes. Wow. I never could figure. I was like, "Why am, it's Saturday? <laughs> I, I want to stay home and watch cartoons, right. watch wrestling." Right. Was, I used to watch wrestling too. <laughs> Why love it, man? Handsome Jimmy Valiant? Are yeah. you kidding? And my yeah. dad's got me out here <laughs> cutting the grass. I didn't mind cutting the grass at my house, right, what I thought was my house. house. But I'm not, I don't live here. Why am I cutting the grass here <laughs> and <laughs> helping them repair broken windows? Poor I could God. never figure it out. <laughs> and he, you know, he was just a boy. Come on, let's yeah. go. We gotta go. And we would do, he took, we had three, he had three sons and he'd wow. take all three of us and we'd complain and moan and groan the whole time. Yeah. But he, and then he'd take us to McDonald's for lunch. And that was kind of like the makeup. So that was the makeup. And then we got home and, you know, but it was, that's that work ethic. Yeah. I thought is, I think and that carried over to my, as a adult working that's at right. UPS and just, you know, working through it, even though it was hard work at UPS and yes. working at four o'clock in the morning. Like you never quit. Yes. That's not in our vocabulary. Not taking anything away from your story, but people need to understand that UPS has a very unique culture like that. Huh. When I interviewed the the hiring manager said, Oh, the average tenure of the UPS was twenty five years. I'm like, I'm not gonna be here that long. <laughs> out three more months. I'm out. <laughs> I, I just passed my thirteenth year. Goodness gracious. There is something about that place. You meet people who've been there for forty years, like our previous CEO, David Abney, I yeah. think he he made it to like forty two or forty three years. Wow. Started as a preloader in yeah. Mississippi. But that's a common thing. It's like people who had no Rosemary Turner, who's in this book. Yes. 40 years, and she had no intention of staying that long. <laughs> but, you know, people call me an outsider. But what I have noticed about the culture is yes, it's hard work. And no, I've never worked in the operations. I've only like done peak assignments out there. Mm-hmm. But it's something, it's a family. Mm. And there are people who support you. Mm-hmm. There's always one or two people who, who see you and you don't know that they mm-hmm. see you. And then they, they start egging you on and you know giving you confidence and mentoring you yes. and looking out for you, speaking up to, to get you promoted. Yes. And it's like, hmm, 
And then you feel an mm-hmm. allegiance to the people who mm-hmm. look and who looked out for you and who set a path mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Right. And it's like like Doug, I start out in the hub yeah. and every night I'll go, Why? Yes. <laughs> you know it is, this is sheer you know, by the way. hard work. <laughs> not, people like, have no idea. Right. Like it's, like you like you have and, and this is what I always I always <laughs> laughed about. When I first started, they show you the training video and the packages. Here comes the package. Nice and slow. Here comes the package. <laughs> yeah. You have time to look at the package, right. verify the destination, <laughs> right. take the package and put it in the wall. The right. wall, by the way, is how we load the trucks to make sure your packages get there safely. Another yeah, plug. You remember the training video. Yeah. Because I ended up becoming a trainer, but yeah. you get out there and they put you in the slowest truck. Here comes the package. Here comes another package. Night two. Package, 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 yeah. package, yeah. package, package. Hurry up. You got to get and it up. Sit, and you yeah. sitting there going, what? Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. What? And you're lifting this stuff physically. Wow. Like, yeah. you know, there's yeah. not, you know, a robot. Also, right. the training video. Mm-hmm. Here's this small package and here's mm-hmm. another small package. They don't tell you. Here comes this bed in the box. Yeah. <laughs> 70 pound box. Here, here comes a tire for an 18 wheeler. Flying, yeah. flying yeah. down the rollers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Picking up max speed. Yeah. If anybody listening to this podcast has ever right. seen an episode of The Flash, imagine a tire. Yes. It literally Curling. becomes Barry yeah. Allen yeah. once he hit those ropes. And imagine yeah. trying to stop that thing with yourself. Oh, right. my God. And, and it's, but as you grow, yes. and I say grow because I always tell, when I, when I end up becoming a training supervisor, mm-hmm. And I, the kids, oh, I'm saying kids. Oh, I'm sorry. The people working there were white. I was calling them kids because that was our little joke. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're, hey, they're new. They're mm-hmm. kids. Like, mm-hmm. all right, come on. We got to get you mm-hmm. raised up. Right. But they would come in and they would watch the video. And I'd see them going, oh, I can do this. This ain't nothing. And I'm yeah. just in there going. <laughs> you don't. You have no yeah, idea. But, no poor idea. baby. But what I would do, instead of, you know, let me break them in easy. As yeah. soon as we get through the class, I take them to the floor. I say, hey, y'all remember the video? They'd be like, yeah. Forget it. Mm. I said, that's the basics. Uh-huh. I'm going to show you the real. And I, But me, I would get in there with them because I knew what to do at the time. Yeah. And I'd go, and they'd be like, man, you make it look easy. And I was like, yeah, but wait till I step out of this truck and get out of <laughs> But I'll tell you, the, the, the ultimate thing, too, yes. and, and a lot of the people featured in yes. our project, yes. right? They talk about living a grand life. The wow. benefits, yes. the pay, yes. oh, yeah. the stock. Yes. UPS mm-hmm. takes care yes. of its people, and they reward us for That's the incredible. hard work. And yeah. the, at the end of the day, you know, it's the family, and then the financial yes. uh, compensation. And and they they've UPS has helped countless people out of poverty. Wow. Um, providing education. You know, yes. they will pay for your education if as you work there. Wow. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. All those things are priceless because you can't find that at a lot of other companies. That is, and and they even do that at the lowest of levels. Yeah. I I literally have had. Uh, people who worked for me when I was supervisor. Oh, I'm trying to get through school. I said, Have you looked at the education program? Oh, well, I said, I said, you've been here nine months. Mm-hmm. Push through these next three. I will help you get signed up. I helped them get signed up, and some of them stayed with the company after finishing their degree. Some of them left. But I get calls and texts from time to time, and people just say, Hey, I the craziest thing just popped in my head, and I just want to call and thank you. And I was like, for what? And they're like, because you showed me a path. Wow. And that, to me, is more beneficial. Like the financial benefits and things, but just like April was saying, the family aspect. Um, I have a guy who worked for me when I was in Atlanta Hub, 
when I left and came to corporate, when I had the opportunity, I can't. I, I, I always say I snuck out of the hub and went to corporate, and I went to the mailroom. A lot mm-hmm. of people were like, oh, that's beneath you. I was like, hmm, more money, less work. I don't feel like I'm going to die every night. I think I'm good. <laughs> and, you know, but when I had a chance to leave the mailroom, they had an opening, I made sure I got him on oh, because nice. he was one of my best people. And he, and since then, he's left the company, but me helping him make that move put him on a path where he was able to forge a different way. Man, so, so what I'm noticing already, and, and this, is, this is how I believe, particularly when it comes to leadership, I believe that culture is king and queen, right? Like, uh, like culture over everything. Yes. And it sounds like you all got there, you had no intentions of sticking around, <laughs> but that culture... Kept you there. It kept you there, and 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 because you know, being you have your 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 pick of wherever you want to go, right? Right. And, and I think y'all are sharp individuals, and you're accomplished, and you have all these different skill sets, and very smart, and so you can go wherever you want to go, right? You can write your own ticket in a lot of ways, but that culture is a thing that I believe is a game changer. And mm-hmm. I and I even even as we're you know, I think about the project that y'all have been working on, like mm-hmm. the Black Voices from Big Brown, right? Like that is. First of all, like I think it's outstanding that 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 is what y'all have been working on and that you've been a part of this project. Um, and it, it's inspiring because I think that hearing your stories and understanding and knowing that your stories aren't the only stories like that is even more inspirational. Right. And Absolutely. so, I, yeah. So I got a chance to kind of look at it online a little bit and. Sarah Smith, who was our mutual friend, uh, kind of shared the information, and and I was so excited because I'm like, these are the stories that need to be told, and and so I want to know from y'all, like, you know, a what was the inspiration behind the project, uh, and then you know what is so I was imagining this is kind of like my my mind started kind of going, and I was thinking about like you know so let's say 50 years down the road, right a kid who is like 10 picks up this project. Like, what is it that you want them to glean from opening up this, this book or listening to an archived podcast or whatever the case may be. So like, I want to know that, but also like, what was the inspiration behind this project? And and feel free to jump right in at any time. Well, um, it started with the, a personal friendship that I have with our first African-American package car driver. Wow. His name is Ken Jarvis, and he was hired in 1957. Hold on. 1957? Yes. We know what was happening in 1957. Oh, yeah. We know. Wow. Yes. And actually, he's recognized as our first African-American package car driver. But I will tell you, uh, in my research in our archives... I saw pictures. Remember back in the day, they would put the year or mm-hmm. the dates on pictures. Yeah. And we saw African-American package car drivers like in 1953, 54. I saw two of them. One was actually in a little video clip walking down a street in Chicago, right? And one was, I think, in New York. But the problem is we, were, we, we tried, we dug, we went through back through our employment records, and we could never find anyone who knew these who knew who they mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. We couldn't find a name because they would just have, they had a picture and it would be in a, like a group usually. Right. right. And nobody's name was listed. Wow. So we were never able to identify them. But what that told me is that UPS uh, has been 
in the, in the diversity game for a lot longer mm-hmm. than many mm-hmm. other companies, right. Right? right? So that story needed to be told. But back to how this began. Ken, um, I met him when I was working on a project about UPSers who knew our founder, Jim Casey. Hmm. That's when I met Ken, mm-hmm. right? Because somebody said, you got to talk to Ken Jarvis because he had a relationship with, with our founder. Wow. So um, I... In his story, he shared one day he had gotten promoted to the mailroom, mm-hmm. just like Jason. Because I think that's a promotion. You're, you're driving a package car and, and meeting all these people in the world, and then you're in a mailroom and delivering letters to like people in the office. Hey. Respect, hey, right? No, no. But I'm, I'm gonna tell you what, why it's a promotion, right? <laughs> because, because just like we say, there, there are, there are. There are hidden benefits. Yes. Imagine going from back-breaking labor. Okay. To getting paid. Easy. The same or not more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, got it. He did. Ken Ken did tell me that they paid him a night differential because he worked in the evenings, right? He was delivering mail, you know, that had come in during the day. And he got paid more. So he got this promotion. (laughs) And one evening, he delivered mail to our founder's office. Found, we actually recreated this in a video. Founders wow. on the phone talking and then telling him, you know, and then he was thinking he was telling him to get out. Right. He was like, sit down, you know, sit down, right? Huh. So I can talk to you. And he was like, oh, you know, he a sat, yeah, timid, he, he afraid, sat yeah. down. And when the founder hung up the phone, he said that he looked at him like he was x raying his head. <laughs> that was his quote. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, you know, after he, you know, got past the, okay, why is he telling me to sit down? The founder wanted to get to know him, Yes, you know, asking him questions, you know, who are you? And and then he said, how long do you plan to stay with us? And Ken's answer was, until I find something better. Three months. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) But that. 1957. Yes. 1957. (laughs) That was the beginning of their relationship. Wow. And from then on, he said, the, you know, the word got around, you know, don't mess with Ken or yeah, whatever the message yeah, was. Yeah. And then he started advancing through the ranks and, um, you know, in management. I mean, Ken says that he introduced him to his whole family, you know, so he knew his sister, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I will tell you this. Yeah. When, before Jim Casey retired, maybe two, two or three years before he left the company mm-hmm. to just give it up. Mm-hmm. He wanted to leave sort of a parting gift with a handful of district managers. Ken Jarvis was the only black person in that group, and the founder gave them brown shares of his stock. Wow. Right? Yes. And the amount of stock that Ken, I mean, they had to, gift is a strong word, they had to pay for it for the bookkeeping, but they got it at a substantial discount, okay? Right, right. But that created generational wealth, helped create, wow. helped, I need to say helped, because yes. he had other money. Right. But it helped create generational wealth for Legacy. Ken Jarvis's family. Wow. Right? Wow. And to me, that is the essence That's of right. diversity and inclusion. That's right. And how the founder That's felt so about good. Ken. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Yeah. And that, and, and speaking about Ken's story, like... Um, I've, I've sat through three different visits with Ken, and he tells a story, and every time the story's a little different, or you mm-hmm. get a different piece. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That was, and it's like you get a different you get yeah. a different perspective on because mm-hmm. like when he comes, he might be talking about once depending on what the theme is, what yeah. he's speaking about. Right. So you right. get a different perspective sure. on it. But the key 
perspective that he always says is opportunity mm. and hope because Ken's story started when he came back to America and had a job offer with the California Highway Patrol. Hmm. And they just saw him on paper, decorated soldier, uh, all these things. Okay. He gets there, moves the whole family to California, walks into the office, and they go, we don't hire Negroes. Wow. Just flat out to his face. Wow. And when he tells that story, everyone in the audience <gasps> just gets quiet because it's like, Mm-hmm. What? Like yeah, I can't yeah, imagine yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it happens to yeah, us. Yeah, so yeah, you know, yeah, it has yeah, happened yeah. all and it the happens, time. And it happens know? in present wow. day, but it's just like, wow. Yeah. Like it still blows your mind yeah. that how far back that yeah. goes. Yeah. And that always echo Which with me. Honestly, isn't that long ago? Yeah. Mm-mm. Right. Like, yeah. like it's really not that long ago at all. Yeah. And wow. and that always echo with me every time I heard it because I had a similar experience. Had the phone interview. Two phone interviews, went for a job at a place. I won't name the place. And when I walk up and I tell them my name, the lady goes, he's black. And at wow. that point, I already knew what was going to happen in the interview. Because hmm. it was like, hmm, okay. Hmm. So that that's part of what, what resonated me with Ken's story. And then I know we'll get more into the book later, but as the other people, other, our, our, our other honorees would tell, the sto- tell their stories, they all had that similar theme hmm. of no one else wanted to give me an opportunity. Wow. And UPS did. And that that that's the thing that I always want people and I always push when we was trying to get the project going. Mm-hmm. I said, these are not stories bashing what happened. Uh, they're, you know, their stories might have had some hard turns and some hard things you really might not want to hear. Mm-hmm. But it's that opportunity and hope. Yeah. Is that's the key. I jump in real quick. So Absolutely. Yeah, for me, it's, it's the story, and I think you mentioned it when, when you were phrasing up the question initially, was inspiration and hope. Mm-hmm. So as recent as two weeks ago, I was talking to two interns, so brand new UPSers. One was a young black girl. One was a, a, a Latino girl. And they were talking to me because I guess one thing I didn't mention in my intro was I'm the corporate advisor for our African-American business resource group, the Mm -hmm. ABRG. So they wanted to do a joint event with the ABRG and the new interns coming in the summer. So anyway, so I kind of, they asked me, we were talking about hosting this event. And I said, well, you guys tell me, I said, you were just an intern or your intern. What what did you want to see? Or what do you want to know? And the both of them said the exact same response was they wanted to see individuals that looked like them in senior positions. Wow. And so because they want to see it, that's, that's inspiring. Yes. If you see someone that looks like you and that's they right. have, they started of our 29 honorees, 15 of them started as package handlers, the wow. same job I had. Wow. The same job that I started with. So that's inspiring. It's inspirational and it gives you hope as well. If they could do it, sure. then I can do it. Right. Well, I know you asked like sort of how this got started and we you know we've explained sort of the, you know, the seed, mm-hmm. Ken Jarvis mm-hmm. planted the seed. Yep. Well, he was trying to write his memoirs, right? Yes. His own story about yes. his journey. Yes. And uh, he, I, I knew he was working on it, but I wasn't going to interfere with that. I'm like, hey, and he was <laughs> dropping hints about needing help. But I, I was like, oh, no, I, I'm not a book writer. I'm, you know, don't, I'm not, I don't want to get roped into this one. 
<laughs> but one night he called me with some bass in his voice. Extra. He's got a deep voice. But he was like, you know, you have ignored me long enough. I want to finish this book and I need your help. Yes. And so uh, I said, well, Ken, and we do have the kind of relationship where I can literally say anything to him, right? right? Yes. And um, I said, well, if you want me to help me help you, you have to allow me to guide you. Mm. You know, my journalism background, I think, can bring value to to you in mm-hmm. this endeavor. Mm-hmm. And what I what I explained to him is, I said, your story is great. I said, but it will be greater if your story is about the path you laid and all the people who came behind you. Wow. And I used an analogy. I mm-hmm. said, you are a tree that bore fruit. fruit. Yes, yes. There's fruit everywhere, all over the ground, and these are the UPSers who have followed in your your shadow, your footsteps, you know? <laughs> yes. And, and once he said, okay, he was like, okay, okay. And I said, okay, now we got to figure out how to get this done. Yes. And I knew that if it were about more people, then I could get UPS interested. Mm. So my first test was at a leadership meeting of the <laughs> AABRG. Yes. And um, we were trying to think of something to do for Black History Month mm-hmm. of the following year, because it was Black History Month, I believe, mm-hmm. or at the end right. of January or something. Yes. I can't remember was exactly. Is this, this pre-pandemic? Yeah, pre-pandemic. Yes. Yes. Yeah, pre- that's important yeah. to know. Pre-everything. Yeah, and I'm going to sure let Doug yeah. tell you about this. <laughs> we, like, nothing had happened in the world. We were still coasting along and thinking, you know, because Doug recruited me into the ABRG. Look at that. Okay? Come on. He recruited man, me. Doug. He did. He was like, I want to take this organization to a different level. That's right. So when I'm thinking about, okay, if you want to go to the next level, then I'm thinking this book project will yes. take us to yes. the, into the stratosphere. That's right. That's and right. I said, Ken Jarvis wants to do a book. And that was all I got out before our executive advisor, Carlton Rose, he was going to another meeting or something. He said, okay, then let's do it. He didn't hear anything <laughs> I had to say. <laughs> he was ready. You yeah, said he was, he was just ready. Like, yeah, okay. Which, he, you know, he might have already known about this yes. because in hindsight, because he's a member of the March Foundation, which Ken founded. Okay. But he just walked out, and and then I had to like you know try to explain it you know the concept. It was half baked, but right, right. it know, was there. It was there. Yeah. yeah. And then Jason was the first person in the room. He raised his hand. He said, "I'm gonna help you do it." Look at that. Yeah. And and you know Doug, of course, just guided us yes. through the whole thing, and yes. we would have to say, "Doug, what should we do?" You know. So wow. Yeah. That. that so hearing that again, it, it, it's exciting to me because. I have the project. I'm looking right at the book, and it's more than just a book, obviously. It's a movement. There's a podcast. There's other things associated and affiliated with it. But, like, looking at it, it's just beautiful, right? Like, the out the, the outside of it is beautiful. The pages, like, the stories that it tell. Like, we talked about stories earlier, Doug, like, right. the value yes. of stories mm-hmm. and, like, what it does. Okay. No, no, no. I'm jumping in. I want to tell this part. So, I am going to tell the story. No, no, I don't want to hear the part, but I like, I like telling them myself. Okay, like you do? Myself. Okay. Yeah, tell tell right. it right. So you're looking at the book, right? Yes. You see the beautiful quilt pattern? Yes. I was against the quilt pattern at first. Okay. Only because we knew this was going to be the African-American project. And me, I'm, I'm one of those people look at the tiny puzzle pieces. I'm like... But this is the bigger picture. Yeah. I, but I still had a Sharpie. Like, that's because I draw. I'm, I'm a okay. graphic designer by nature. So that's yeah, yeah. me. I look at, and yeah, yeah. April's like, I want to I wanna do quilts. And I was like, no, 
because it's already the black book. Yeah. I said it's already the black book. Yeah. We don't want to get it stereo. I was against the stereotype because I already You're thinking like, I'm about thinking about how, how it was going to come across to our counterparts. Right. And she wore me down. Yeah, she to wore a me nub. Down. Good job. Yeah, the entire team. <laughs> Because I, had, I, had, well, I have to give Sarah some credit yes. because Sarah asks really uh, great questions yes. that pull things out of you yep. so that she can understand right. what you're thinking. Right. And she said, April, what do you want the book to look like? And I said, first of all, I want it to look like a piece of art right. across and that's the room. Exactly what it I looks said, like. even if you don't know anything, if you see it, you're going to want to walk over there and pick it up. That's I right. said, that's the first thing it's it has to do. Beautiful. And then the second thing is the reason that I wanted the quilt, because I was trying to think of. Uh, something that would symbolize what's in the book. Mm. And quilts came to mind because of my grandmother. Come on, grandma. My grandmother, <laughs> we have, my family, we have, Grandma's, you know, countless quilts and yes. quilt tops. I found some recently and had them framed yes. that my grandmother did. And whenever we would go to her house, she would always have one going. Mm -hmm. And my sister and I, we would just take a corner and get a, get a needle and we would just start helping her stitch. Yes. Sometimes we'd help her, help her cut. But, in that moment were some rich family stories. My mm. grandma, we would just talk. And sometimes her friends would come over and yes. do the same thing. And then we'd be eavesdropping on their conversations. They talk about the you know, family stories and history that we would probably not even get any other way because right. people just weren't thinking about it right. anymore, about right. what Uncle Joe did or right. whatever. <laughs> but that's where we got it. And I thought this book is about our connectedness, so good. our community. Um, you know, the, the fact that we are beautiful and we're, we're, we're pieces of art. Yes. Black people yes. are individual pieces of art. Yes. At least that's how I saw yes. it. And this is how she sold me. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sold right now. Yeah, no, you can't like, say yeah, no yeah, I'm that. sold right now. And so, we, you know, we looked at samples of, you know, African-American quilts. Yes. And I said, okay, I don't, because somebody said, okay, are we going to have a quilt at the unveil? I'm like, no, you're missing the whole. <laughs> you can't yeah. see the forest for the trees. Yeah, I said, you're missing the whole thing. Yes. I said, this is not about a physical quilt. It is about what the quilt symbolizes. It's an embodiment. I said, quilts are the only African-American art form that I can think of that came with us on the slave ships. Wow. And connected generations of us, just wow. like these people, the honorees in this book, they're connecting the generations of UPSers. Yes. Long after they're dead and gone, right. people are going to be reading about wow. them, mm. right? And then the symbols and in, in, in the, the, you know, I remember reading about some of the symbols when slaves were trying to escape to freedom, people would hang quilts on their lines and some of the things would be pointing them like to the north, wow. the symbols, Wow. Right. Which we, yes. you know, we go over some of the definitions, yes. but mm -hmm. that was sort of the thought concept around it and yes. why I chose the quilt versus a tree. Right. You know right. what I mean? The tree thing. I said, no, not a tree. That's kind of overdone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but quilts. And once, once she's, once she had me sold on a quilt thing, my brain kicked into overdrive because we, um, we went through three different designers yes. because mm -hmm. they told me I couldn't do the design and, and, re and retain my job at UPS. I figured eh. conflict of interest. I was like yeah. one, I was like one shot versus continuity. I said, I'm going to stick with my continuity, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. But, um, we had, we had, a we had went through the first two designers and they weren't really grasping it. And so me, I kicked in, I was like, okay, she wants to quilt. Let me play with some ideas. I put together um, an idea to show the designer. And April was like, well, he got to go. I was like, why? If you had to put this together for him, 
Then why is he? Then why is he? Right. Yeah. I fired him. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. But I have to tell this, and yes. I, I hope that, I think Sarah will not mind. Yes. But God works in such yeah. mysterious ways. Yeah. So after I fired our graphic designer, because he wasn't getting it. Right. And I'm like, if I got to explain to you yeah, how yeah, to do you're your, supposed to, you know. You're supposed to bring it to me. Right. right. You know, when we're work. paying you? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Sarah said to me, she said, I know a person who can do it. Because I said, we need a graphic designer yes. to take the ancient art of quilt making of and make it modern and fresh. Right. Right. right? Using right. technology. That's right. That's right. Right. That's right. I, I said, here's what we need. Yes. Sarah said, the person who can do it is my sister, Judith. Judith Kremsky, she wow. lives in Boston. Yes. And I said, well, where is she? Bring her. Yes. And then she was like, well, you should at least consider another person, you know, and we, we looked at both of them and yes. the other other choice, it was an African-American woman. Her yes. work was gorgeous, yes. but, but she didn't, she didn't the have the graphic and the Just technology yeah. expertise that Judith brought to right. it. Right. You know, exactly. it's like, okay. Judith, you know, she 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 may not have that depth and that soul, right. but she's got she can take this and make it new. She has what you need. Right. Yes. And, and then the other, the African American person that we considered didn't have that graphic expertise. Right. Right. You know what right. I mean? Right. So that's what happened. And that's why I hope it you think it looks fresh and oh, new. It but looks it's, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it really does. And I, I I can't wait for our listeners to hopefully get their hands on it and and figure out and find out more about it cuz it's it's remarkable. And, I, and and when I think about like so y'all tell the story of like 29 people, is that it? Is that it, the number? It's 29, but I just wanted to yes. say this one part. Yes. Sarah told me when she suggested her sister, yes. she said, "But April, we haven't talked in 3 years." Wow. Wow. I said, well, now's the time to start talking. Wow. And because of this project, Sarah reconnected with her sister, Judith. She knew she had the talent to do it, but because they had fallen out, they had not talked. But, and the story that Sarah tells about how she made the phone call, she said, she texted you, she said, hey, Mm -hmm. I know we're beefing. I'm I'm using beefing because that's Mm -hmm. how I let I know we're beefing, but I need to talk business to you. Judith didn't respond for a couple of days. She said, I need to talk to you. It's about business. Yeah. So then finally, Sarah said, because Sarah was like working on it. And Sarah called me one time. She's like, I just, I said, call her. Yes. I said, what's yes. the worst that can happen? She That's hangs right. up in your face and we have to find somebody else. Right. And she called her. Judith picked up. We got online with Judith. And I instantly fell in love with Judith. Yeah, because yeah. me too. Yeah. Love her. As yeah. a graphic designer, like for me, I'm look, I look at other graphic designers. I try to not do that critical eye. Of course. But like Judith showed us some of her work, and I was like, and I and April can tell you. Yeah. We were on a Zoom call, and I am. I said, "There's no one else." Yeah, he did. Come on. There's literally no one else. I, I think Sarah was trying to be fair and you know not make it look like I'm trying to That's push right. my sister That's on right. you. That's right. And she said, "You we should you know look at somebody else." And of course, you know. She, yeah. and, but and, and we did. But yeah, he was sure. But. When I saw what Judith had done before, yes, and Judith actually did just a mock off based on what Sarah had told her. Mm-hmm. Not even we hadn't even talked to her right. yet, right? And I was like, "I'm so because I just, and I tell Judith, I tell Judith this. I was telling her every time, every time she saw, and I was like, Judith, get out the back of my head. Like yeah. I just felt like I don't know <laughs> if you've really ever good. seen uh, the movie Being John Malkovich. No, mm-hmm. I haven't. But seen it. there's a movie and Being John Malkovich where they have this little door and all these random people can step inside of his head and take control of him. Oh. And I just really felt like it was, 
I was like, every time she I came up see, with I something. I didn't see it going there. Yeah. Every time she came <laughs> know, up right? with something, it was like, ah, uh, you was right. Like, get out, get out. So, but anyway, yeah. Judith <laughs> yes. gave us what we needed yes. and was just a critical partner. So I know I interrupted your oh, flow, but I had to tell that part. Yes. Can I yes, interject real quick? Because you talked about 29 honorees. Yes. And so for me, because Jason and April, they were doing all the heavy lifting, to yes. be totally honest with you. They, they came to me for guidance and support, and I offered that as much as I could. One of my hardest part thing decisions I had to make in this project was limiting, limiting it to 29 individuals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We went back and forth on yes. scratching this name out, yeah. putting this name back, because there's so many That's right. current and former individuals who are worthy yes, to be honored in a book like this. Of course. So for me, that was really the hardest decision because I know these people I know and see on a daily basis, and they probably should be in there. But you gotta have. You gotta <laughs> tell you, know, you. I got calls from some of those. You people. gotta draw the line yeah. somewhere, like, right? Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, we'll have a phase two, yeah. and they, those other individuals. Will I mean, I, I, phase two. Based on what I've read already and what I've seen, I think it would be amazing to do a second part, almost like a series, like a volume right. one, volume yeah. two, volume right. three. And, and again, like when I, when I read, when I started again, looking through this and I knew we were going to be in this space conversing, I imagine this kid 50 years from now picking up this book and I can't get it out of my head. And I, so like, I'm wondering again, like what, for this kid that is picking up this book in 50 years, hopefully coronavirus and COVID is gone by then. I think it will be, hopefully, by that point. But when they're picking up this this book, what is it that you want them to gain from this project? Well, first of all, if the kid has no connection to UPS, we hope that the word UPS will intrigue them. Mm. Because that's how people get their packages. That's and good. that's how most yeah. ordinary people yes. know UPS. Yes. They're, they bring me my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right? right. That's right. And so black voices from Big Brown, uh, we went around and around on the name of it because we were trying to think in, into the future. Mm -hmm. You know, what's gonna grab people? Yes. And um, you know, this is about African American leadership yes. and our history and mm -hmm. contributions to the tremendous success. I mean, the, the book is full of people. Part of the criteria was they had to be vice president level and above to be wow. featured, right? Wow. And, you know, we made a couple of exceptions here and there, but pretty much that was the baseline. Wow. And then you had to have a known reputation for advancing the careers mm -hmm. of people of color yes. and women, Yes, right? Those yes. were the, the things, yes. right? People had to know it, the not, fruit. oh, you, you got to your level and you didn't help anybody. Because you know, there are some of them out that, there now, right? I believe it. Right? Mm -hmm. Who did not make the book. Sure. Um, but <laughs> that was the criteria. And then the number 29 was, the look. was to remember. represent... February, Black History Month, the ah, days in the month, right? Okay. Even though we snuck in like yeah. a leap year it in there. It was a leap but year, it's fine. We, we pushed yeah, it we and got, squeezed them all in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't right? do a fourth. You yeah. had to do, you know, go right. all in. 28, right, right. to 29. But, but I'm hoping that a kid will pick it up because of the beauty of it. And then, you know, UPS, hmm, Black Voices from Big Brown. Yes. And then just the rest of it will fall into place. That's fantastic. How about you, Doug? For me, it's almost the way I, I, I look at it from the perspective of... As a growing up, I love sports. It was one of the things I, I like Same, to do, brother. right? And so, and I and I like history. Mm -hmm. And so, some of the things that I would catch my interest would be like hearing about like the Negro Leagues mm -hmm. and 
So if I'm a, that's what I hope. Fifty years, we're talking fifty years from mm-hmm. now, right? Yep. So fifty years yeah. from now, it's gonna, the world's going to be a totally different place. So I want a ten-year-old or boy or girl to pick that book up and see and be interested to want to know what it was like way back when. The same mm-hmm. way I, when I look at the Negro leagues, because baseball today or football, whatever sport it is today, it is what it is, and it's great. You love it. But there's a lot of stories that right. happened. There was always a first That's right. when it comes to us, black people That's right. in this country. There were always someone who was a first. And that that always intrigued me. And I wanted to learn more about that. Yes. And so hopefully 50 years from now, those same the kids would have that same curiosity, right? That's good. And want to know that, hey, what, you know, what is this all about? And yes. and hopefully 50 years from now. We won't have the same dynamics that we're mm. in today, right? Mm. So for my my grandkids, I hopefully the world's a different place where we're not having the same conversations. We won't need an AABRG. Right. Right? <laughs> because right. diversity and inclusion will not even be a, a, thing. a thing. Yeah. Yes. And so for them, that would be the, the curiosity part is where right. I'm going with. Right. Because they're gonna be like, wow, what I don't know, that? I don't have no idea what they're talking about, but so you mean back 50 years ago or even before it was like this. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's yes. what I, I would hope that uh, that would be the 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 thing to get the, the, the young person to read that and listen to the stories. That's good. And know what it was like 50 years ago and and beyond. That's good. Jason, what about you, man? In my heart of hearts, I hope that 50 years from now, UPS has a black female CEO mm. and that- Sooner. And that mm-hmm. the entire corporate culture, and I'm not just speaking UPS, but I'm speaking globally, worldwide, mm-hmm. has changed to the point where that book is a representation of an archaic past. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. right now, some of the things that we're looking at are repeating themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I think this book can be and it's not an educational book, but it is a tool for education mm-hmm. if used the right way. Mm-hmm. And the reason I said it is because when the copies came and I sent one to my daughter, didn't tell her about it, nothing. And she called me. She was like, Dad, what's this book about? Like, And she she read some of the stories. And I sent her the link so she could listen to the interviews. I didn't send her the podcast. I didn't want to hear Dad. So, <laughs> But she, she, she found it anyway because that's my kid. And she goes... Well, Dad, did you know some of these people? And I go, yeah. And I tell her my my story about Carlton Rose. Mm-hmm. Because Carlton is a very vibrant and adamant figure. Mm. And you would think that someone of his level wouldn't pay attention to, I, I always joke with him, I say, I'm a peon compared to you. And he goes, stop saying that. God, mm-hmm. stop saying Because his joke, and Doug's has heard all the time, is I never leave him a seat at the lunch table. And I'm like, I'm trying to sit next to you, but you want to <laughs> come down from your greatness wow, man. to to sit next to me because you feel that type of connection. And for me, that's what I want that to be the underlying thing that everyone who reads this book now and into the future understands that growing progression. Because a lot of people may not realize that the way we set the book up, we set the book up based on the person who was first there who represented a certain uh, diversity topic. 
but it goes back through a thread that connects everyone through mm. that section. Mm. And that's the part I got from the quilt. You know, Ken Jarvis was our original thread. Wow. And now it's come all the way to now Nikki Clifton. Wow. Who is heading up the UPS Foundation. President. And the president. Come and on. it's over Madam equity, president. diversity, justice, and action. Wow. And that says a lot in itself. Because wow. in 1950s, the only person doing that was the person who decided to hire. Mm. It wasn't a global effort. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, I said global, it wasn't a corporate-wide effort. Right. But as time went forward, you know, UPS was actually ahead of the affirmative action curve. UPS wow. was ahead of the diversity curve. UPS was ahead of the putting women into positions of management curve. And that's the thing that I expressed to my daughter when she called me. I said, the reason I stay at UPS is because UPS is always innovating and changing. And the example I always like to use is, if corporate culture is in a box, UPS is constantly thinking outside that box and reinventing that box and still making sure you get the box. Wow. Right. Ooh. Ooh. We're not, we're, that's, yeah. uh, wait a minute. Yeah, he, he just he, got bars. You spoke the word over bro. here. I, right. I did my snaps. <laughs> I mean, this is not to say that, you know, UPS is a perfect place. Of course. And, and these yeah. are the stories that are shared in this book. Of course. They're like, you know, this this day-to-day -day was not perfect. Of course. And the thing is, it, it starts at the top. Mm -hmm. Our founder had the vision of hiring people of color. That's it so would good. not have happened That's if right. he had not given that order, right? That's right. That's right. That doesn't mean that everybody was agreeing with him. That's right. And that's the problem, I think, that exists in so many corporate cultures. Mm -hmm. It's not everyone agreeing with it. It's it's the KKK in your company. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it is the job, I feel, of executive leadership to identify them and remove them because they are a poison, you know, in your company. It's like a cancer that lives in mm. there. You have to extract the tumor, mm. remove it, because they will destroy the entire organization. Mm. And that's one thing that I always, um, like I mentioned my lunch table before, mm -hmm. I'm pushing 40. I'm not going to tell you how close I am, but <laughs> just, just say, <laughs> like I said, good, I was born man. in the 80s. It's all right. But... I, I have a lot of younger UPS UPS friends, and some people had just started with the company. Like I'm put, I'll, it'll be a decade for me this year. But I know some people who've been there two years, one year, went from intern to just getting hired. And you sit and you talk to them, and you hear the things that they're saying about the company, and it's like I'm not trying to sound like a company man, but hold on, because it's not. A company that ha that's racist or a company that's bigoted or a company that's sexist is individuals. Mm. And these individuals just happen to be in a position of power. Yes. But the thing you have to look for is for every person like that in a position of power, there's two more that aren't like that. Right. In that same position or higher. And mm. that is UPS. Mm. And that's and that is the that is the goal for UPS. Uh, one thing that in our research we found out a lot of people might not realize. A lot of people go, oh, Jim Casey was a white man. Well, no, he wasn't just a white man. He was an Irishman. Mm -hmm. And in his time period, 1907, when the company was founded, Irish people 
were still frowned upon. Yeah. Especially, Bottom of the rung mm-hmm. in society. Mm-hmm. They yeah. Irish people were right next to black people mm-hmm. in, in most people's eyes. Mm-hmm. And what happens is his view on diversity did not just come from, oh, let's hire black. It came from an experience. And empathy. And empathy for knowing what it was like mm-hmm. to be discriminated yeah. against. Wow. It's, and it's like, hmm. I'm Irish and I get a pass if I hide my Irishness because no one can tell. Hmm. But these people can't hide. Hmm. And the best we can do is to make sure we shed light on them so that the darkness that surrounds them and the stigmas can't be seen. Man, so, I mean, what what y'all just said is is, is I think there's a lot of gold in it. And, and again, this comes back to everything that we talked about in terms of culture, right? Like culture, again, is king and queen. And when you have leaders in your organization, especially at the top, who are willing to step out on a limb and do things that can be unpopular, or uh, but they know that it's the right thing, as well as when you have individuals that make it to the top to always pull everybody up with, you know, up with them as well, I think that you establish... Uh, some of the things that you all have been kind of been talking about. Um, thank y'all. This is this has been so good, y'all. Um, I I again I can't wait till I listen until our listeners get the opportunity to check out the project. Uh, in a few moments, I want y'all to kind of you know share where they could find the project and and get their hands on it. Uh, but right now, what I want to do is have a little fun. We've been having fun already, but yeah. like this right here. <laughs> so you know, so so uh, we do this segment here uh, at the Four Atlanta po- Four Atlanta podcast called Yay or Nay for the A. Okay, Yay or Nay for the A, uh, and Yay or Nay for the A is quite simply: I present you with two options that are they're based in Atlanta. And you choose one or the other. So you're going to yay one, which means you're, you're with that one, or you're going to nay the other. All right. So uh, I'll give you an example. Let's say uh, the big chicken or the vortex. You yay one of them and you nay. Which which one would y'all choose, by the way? Just kind of. Yay curious. for the big chicken. All right. Big chicken. All right. I'm gonna go vortex just Look to be you. just Look to be you out of Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's so, Jason. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, him. So I'm gonna I'm run through a few of them, and I just want I want to know, you know, what you yay and what you nay and why. All right, it's simple. All right, uh, first up, let's go Piedmont Park or Centennial Park. Piedmont Park or Centennial Park. Piedmont Park, yay. Okay. Piedmont Park, yay. All right. Have to go Piedmont Park. Yeah. Oh, you didn't. You didn't go counter what they was doing. Why Piedmont Park? Uh, for me, Piedmont Park has always just had more to offer. Okay. As far as things around, I actually went to middle school down the street from Piedmont Look Park, so I that have unicorn, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, you know, you have Piedmont Park. You had the movie theater right across the street from it. Yeah. You had so many different eateries, and you just had a lot to do in Piedmont Park. Yeah. Centennial, like Centennial is cool, but it's cute. Centennial, yeah, you <laughs> and it's brick. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like yeah. if if you run too too fast in Centennial, you gonna kill yourself on the statue because you they they it's 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 a lot of memorabilia yeah. in Centennial Park, yeah. but. It's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Let's go with this one. Um, Zoo Atlanta or the aquarium? Zoo Atlanta or the aquarium? Aquarium, yay. Aquarium, yay. Okay. All right. What you got? 
You don't um, like animals like that. No, I'm. I, it's like I'm. <laughs> I can't. It's really, all right. It's all right. You want you want to you want to abstain? I, yeah, I'm gonna uh, right, skip that. One, okay, all right. <laughs> we'll keep moving to another one that you might actually feel. Let's go with uh, let's go with this one. This one is I find that sometimes people you know they be in their feelings about this one. Waffle House or Jr. Crickets? Waffle House. Jr. Yeah. Crickets. <laughs> J.J.R. Crickets. <laughs> All right, Abel, why J.R. Crickets? Well, I'm sorry, y'all, but I've just never been a <clears throat> fan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like I realize that people love it just like yeah. the varsity, but yeah. I've just never, the grease level, I just can't. <laughs> I, I, I just, I can't. Sliding off my seat is not what I'm trying to do in life. I, I would rather have something where I have more options. Yes, you know so. this is this is great. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Next waffle up. House is everywhere. I, so. I, I know. I, I, I guess know, it, but it's I, three in the me, morning. It's like there's a Waffle House. I guess for me, I like them both, but I have to go a Waffle House for consistency. Every Waffle House, you know exactly. It's the same. It's gonna be Every day Crickets is not the same. That is that. So that's that okay. Is that's, all right, you that, probably got yeah. me on that Look one. That. Yeah. But if you are riding with me yeah. and you suggest the Waffle House, <laughs> just we, be we prepared. I will keep passing. I will go right past it. I'm not going. And all my friends know this. I'm talking about from way back. They know April is not oh, going to Waffle House. This right here makes me laugh. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Drumline versus Stomp the Yard. Both movies that were filmed here or has some Atlanta flavor to them. Drumline. Drumline. Yay, Drumline. 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 All right. Why Drumline, Doug? I just remember that movie a lot better. Yeah. And it was uh, it was well done. Shout out to Nick Cannon, yeah. man. Yeah, Nick Cannon, right? <laughs> Who doesn't like Nick Cannon? Yeah. So. Okay. All right, um, let's do a couple more and see what we got here. Let, let's go the Chattahoochee River or the Beltline. Beltline, yay. Beltline. Beltline? Yay. Beltline. All right, why the Beltline? I don't want to drown and die in dirty water. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the They Belt- have the river keepers, right? <laughs> now they Look do. <laughs> now they do. <laughs> All right, a couple more. TLC or 112? TLC, yay. TLC, yay. TLC? Duh, TLC. That's easy. All right, all right. Why TLC, April? Just, you know, when I came to Atlanta, they were they were all that and a bag of chips. Yeah, they were. And just the history of the group, yeah. you know what I mean? That whole L.A. Reed, yeah. Babyface, Pebbles, that yeah. whole, you know, that period. Yeah. It was just, it was a thing. It was and Atlanta. So yeah, Atlanta. from yeah. Atlanta and the girls were... They just appeal to a whole new generation, yes. and they cross generations. Yeah, I mean, true. old people yeah, like them, young true. people like them, and uh, I just, I just, I like what they're about. Yes. You know, yes, yes. E- even you know, without Left Eye, we lost her. That's but, right. That's right. Know, yeah. I-, I wish my reason was as robust as that. <laughs> Chili. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> Chili, if you're listening, hey. shoot his shot yeah. right here on the <laughs> Rosanda Thomas. All right, this is uh, this is the last one. And this this is another one that sometimes get people in their feelings, and I, but you know we gonna ask it anyway. Braves or Falcons? Braves. Falcons. Atlanta United. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> Jason's gotta be the outlier. He is always no the no no. But, but between the two, the Braves, no one likes losers. Oh man, goodness! And I'm from I, it, I'm I from be, Atlanta. I, and I don't support, support the, the Falcons. Birds. I respect. That. I I like the Dirty Birds. I'm gonna tell I like, the, I like the Braves too. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, like, truthfully, it, and again, I'm I'm from North Carolina originally, but I've been here for 15 years. But 
It is hard to be an Atlanta sports fan, though, man. Like, why? It, it, why? It, just because I feel like we are in sports purgatory. Like, you're never mm. good enough to win a championship, mm. but you're never bad enough to get great but That's draft why picks. I say the Braves. Yeah. Because I was here. <laughs> Again, long the World time. Series. When they won the World yeah. Series. I do back remember in, that. The Braves, yeah. When I got here, the Braves were off. Yeah, they, they had yeah, a team. Yeah. They, they had a came spot. back. Yeah. And then in the nineties, when they got when they when they became good, yeah. Atlanta. I had never seen Atlanta. Yeah. Come together like yeah. it did. That makes yeah. sense. When they went that to that, that, the, the Jones that, that classic yeah. series yeah. with the Pirates and the Braves yeah. 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 with Sid Breen yeah. running around. I mean, yeah. that was like yeah. Atlanta was, was like yeah. when somebody came together. It was like it was awesome. Yeah. Y'all, thank you, thank you for playing Yay or Nay for the A. Um, I, I would love to hear you know for you to share with our listeners how they can get access to. Black Voices from Big Brown and any information or contact information that you may want to share, how they can get in touch with you, whatever you want to share. This is your time to do that right now. Okay. Well, um, Jason has been the god of our website, www.blackvoicesfrombigbrown.com. Nice. So everything lives there. You can order the book and talk about the podcast. Uh, you can also listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, okay. or you can actually access the podcast from the website directly. Nice. And we also have an Instagram at Black Voices from Big Brown. All right. And people, you know, I, I know that there's some email addresses on the website to, to reach out. I have to admit, I'm not real good about <laughs> watching those and checking them. So just send me an email, aprilnelson at ups.com. Yes. That's it. All aprilnelson right. at ups.com. Send me a note. I'll see it that way. And you can That's DM pretty- on, you can send a DM on uh, Instagram. I handle that account too. So I'll see that. Look at that. Oh, there it is. Well, I, that that sounds like it's a wrap, y'all. Thank you so much. Thank we you. Thank you. you. This Thank has been you. fantastic. And uh, I look forward to our listeners checking out the project. so much for checking out the For Atlanta podcast. We hope that today that you learned and love Atlanta a little bit more than you did the day before. And if you have any stories, people, recommendations for us on how to love our city, more, uh, please slide in those DMs at Buckhead Church. And of course, we invite you to check out our podcast on all platforms that podcasts are offering.